Welcome to the Immigrations Podcast, where we capture the unique stories of Asian undocumented individuals living in the United States. My name is Ju Hong, and I'm a Korean immigrant activist. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm excited to have Eunsoo as our guest. Eunsoo Jung is an LA-based artist and the creator of Korean Angry, a comic zine series based on her daily struggle as a Korean-American. The Korean Angry zine series illustrates the artist's life journey told with this character, photographed with handmade props in a set. In this episode, we will cover Eunsoo's immigration journey, activism, arts and cultural expressions, and identities. First, uh, welcome, Unsu. How are you? I feel like last time I saw you in person was in Seattle. I think randomly we met at the marketplace, yeah. <laughs> and that has been several years, and uh, it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me, Ju. And I totally remember that. I was just walking along like the market, at Pike's Market, and I was like, "Wait, that's Ju." <laughs> <laughs> Such a coincidence, but it was so fun to see you outside of, uh, you know, California and just to like, okay, you're strolling around too. <laughs> uh, that was really fun. Exactly, exactly. Um, I'm so excited to uh, uh, catch up with you uh, through this podcast, and I'm sure a lot of audience um, would love to learn a little bit more about you and your work. And I want to start off with uh, your immigration uh, journey and if you could kind of share the audience about your immigration journey and how did you get involved in the immigrants movement? Um, so um, I came to the United States when I was 13, uh, about 2001. It was right after September 11 and uh, my grandma was living in the United States and thought that maybe I could have a better chance of like future. So it was kind of blur how it happened. But what I remember was like my grandma calling my mom and like telling me to like be in the United States. So they booked a one-way ticket um, and I just landed in San Francisco. And I just remembered like, I guess I'm here. And there was like no like extensive explanation of a how and what is going on. Um, and it was probably done between my grandma and my mom, not in a conversation with my other aunts. So who were living here in the United States at the same time. So when I came, they were all shocked and surprised and it created a lot of family dramas because um, at that time, a lot of my aunts were already United States citizens and having me coming here was just like, what's going on? And I think I think it brought a lot of shame um, and drama. Like, And I felt like I was a cause of a shame and drama when I first landed here. And just to be here without my mom or my brother um, or my first father, um, it just kind of felt like, I guess I'm just going to be here. <laughs> um, and that kind of led me to enroll in public middle school. And from then on, I was here. I didn't quite fully understood that I was undocumented um, until fully later on. Similar to the stories I've heard in your podcast too, that when I was going to high school and applying for colleges, I realized that, oh, I'm missing X, Y, Z. And that's really fucked up. <laughs> I don't know if I can cuss in this podcast, I forgot to ask. You, know, you can cuss however you want. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it was really shocked. Um, and I couldn't quite figure out what the next step was. And it was, it really did hurt my uh, pride and just like confidence. Cause I was, 
at that time I was in um, public art high school called now Rusa Sawa School of the Arts. And a lot of my peers were applying for private art colleges and art education that are just like kind of like afterwards. And I felt like I wasn't able to do any of that, even though I was accepted all this for students art colleges. And um, that's how I had to figure out, okay, what it means to be undocumented, what can I do? And when did you, uh, and how did you find out about your immigration status um, at a later stage in your life? It was around like going to senior year, um, literally like senior year going in from high school. So I was just about to, because in the beginning of that year, my teacher was like, we're doing like AP advanced placement art class. So we're going to be preparing all this colleges are coming. So we were just preparing all that. And when it came to that, I just realized that when I was trying to explain, okay, I can just, I, I can be able to apply for scholarship or this and that, and just realize that I don't have any of those numbers, which start like clicking things. Okay. Makes sense. I'm not able to make a, I don't have a, any number to do any driver license. I can't open up a bank account. Um, this all kind of made sense. And it, we didn't really talk about it at all. Like none of my adults in my family um, shared or like gave a guidance or anything like that. There was no conversation growing up and it just, they never wanted me to talk about it or they didn't want me to attend anything. Um, it was a long years of just homeschool, homeschool. And, and then me just realizing in, during college that uh, about to apply for colleges that, oh, this is, this makes everything sense now. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm curious, why do you think that is? Why do you think that, you know, our parent uh, hide our status? I think it has to do with a lot of family shame, but it's not just because, um, I don't think it's just one, one reason. I think it's a mix of different reasons. And I think that I was really resentful for my aunts and my mom, my grandma, all of these family members that in the beginning, I was really resentful and upset and angry. And I think as I got older, there are certain things I'm able to understand a little bit more in their perspective. Now I'm like almost nearing mid 30. <laughs> like there are things that, that I just kind of start to a little bit understand the complexity of their family dynamics, my mom and my sister dynamic, my grandma's wishing that her firstborn wants, like she wanted my mom to thrive the way that maybe my other, her sisters were doing, you know? So I think it's just like a lot of complexities that makes us like hard to talk about and which I really wish that we do talk about more, even more. Um, and I think that that's also because maybe the language barrier and mm. there isn't quite a word to describe what who we are and what we are other than just like like, you know, like even the word that like undocumented, it's just so like, it's hard to like translate in Korean and explain fully um, what that means versus like being illegal, you know? And it, it, it's like, there isn't a quite a language for us to communicate, like communicate in a way that it's possible <laughs> and peaceful. Um, I think it's a, a lot of it. Uh, and I'm learning that it's not just an immigration thing. I'm learning a lot of root of like problems that I'm facing as I'm becoming adult 
it's all because we didn't have enough conversation growing up. Yeah, no, definitely. And I'm also curious to know how did you transition from high school to college,、um, especially when you found out your, your your immigration status、um, during your senior year in high school. How did you navigate that?、Uh, so when I learned that I can't really go to any of our colleges that I accepted, I was really devastated, and I start working. I worked on different jobs under the table, like always doing a service jobs and stuff, but. It was a it was a time when the Dream Act was being introduced, and it was just like a lot of talk about that. And I was keeping my eye on those things, but I wasn't really hoping that this will help me at all at the time. And because my family were so like, you can't talk about any of these stuff. So I felt truly alone in a sense that I didn't have any Asian American like undocumented Asian American friends around me at the time.、Um, And I, I just really felt like, like I'm alone in this.、Uh, so I, I think that like I kind of look into finding what helps for me, my sense. So I researched、uh, along the line of what could actually do, what I could do actually, and that's when I learned about AB five forty that I could actually go to state university, pay in state tuition, and someone in my high school、uh, who was a upperclassman year before me suggested that. You should check check out the San Jose State University because they have a, a good animation illustration program. And at the time, I was doing fine art, and I hated the idea of just going to like a commercial or like more entertainment business at the time. But I just kind of had to like suck it up. Okay, I guess I'm, this is the this is the one of the things I have to do, which like was so bad. Like I hated my college for a long time because it was very different. And I truly, I thought I was like a shit, like <laughs>、um, in high school. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'll、oh, just like snobby art bitch. I was literally, and going to San Francisco to San Jose at that time was so deep, like uninspiring. The city was just so different, and I was just so sad and depressed. And I, I found a job that、uh, it was like a waitressing at a sushi restaurant owned by a Korean person, and because of a Pure coincidence. This lady happened to know my aunt, like back in the days and decades ago.、Wow. Uh, so she kind of took me in. She didn't. She assumed that I was an international student. I didn't talk to her about my status, and she kind of let me work under her restaurant. And you know, in freshman in college, I hate the school, I hate the city, and now I have to buy. I have to like do a job serving sushi restaurant.、Uh, so that really sucked.、Um, It was really hard because I was so, like that was just my entire like experience for maybe two three years in college, like where I didn't really make friends, just work 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 and go to school, do do this like animation work that I didn't care about at that time. And animation process is a very like collaborative work where you really need to work with people. And I was not a team player. <laughs> I was just like, no,、oh, I don't want to be friends with you. Like, because I, I was like, I don't trust anybody, and I had a huge、right. to do, and like huge, like you know, fear of like I don't want anybody to like be knowing about my life in general. So I really hit, hit that like side of me a lot, and it took a long time for me to like, like kind of put my guards down. Wow, wow! So you've been actively uh, working uh, like first two years in college and.、Uh, Did you end up graduating、uh, at 
uh, San Jose? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was actually working until five, six years in San Jose. Wow. Yeah, I was working as under the restaurant as a waitress. And I, I gra- <laughs> well, it took me a while to graduate because I actually failed one of the semester. I had to re-enroll myself. But in the end, I graduated fine. I came down L.A. 10 years ago, and I've never wow. left. No, that's great. And generally, like, what year was this uh, during the time uh, you were in college? So I graduated high school 2007. Um, so okay. I started my fall in 2007. And I th- I was a professor graduate in 2013. The, the program itself was really rigorous. It was like five-year program. And you have to take a test to get in. It's just like took a long time. <laughs> um, and I out of pure luck, I not purely, like, but out of like really good opportunity came by where where it was unpaid internship at animation studio that didn't require any paper. And that was 2012. And then that was when I first um, applied for DACA. And as I was filing my DACA paper, I took a mega bus to came down to LA and told the restaurant I'm not working anymore. Uh, <laughs> and they did not want me to go. They were like, you're not going to do anything there that you're not gonna, you know, your life is not gonna get better than in here, which made me feel like, oh, I wish that they were more supportive because we've been working together for six years. Wow. Wow. They, they, it seems like they really want you to be there, but I'm glad that uh, you made the, you made the right decision. How, how was, um, how was your experience, um, you know, applying for and receiving DACA? And how did you even first heard about DACA? I heard about DACA reading Korean newspaper. I think that I was still like, one of those days I was clipping out the newspaper articles every time from old school. I was like cutting out in the Caesar room, like, oh, I'm gonna put it in here. Yeah, I, did, I did that same too, so you're not yeah. alone. Yeah, I was just like highlighting all those names and Google researching. And, you know, I had like stacks of a paper that I printed out in the library. Oh my god this like stuff and i i wish i was more involved in school and i wish i found my people and for me i guess it's kind of going to the, like kind of going to your like maybe next question but like i didn't really find my people around my time and i was just so lonely and i did what i could at the best and i just felt like i would have been like it, it would have been less painful that journey <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I couldn't imagine, especially if you hadn't haven't found a community during college. I know that, you know, I first interacted with you was through uh, uh, United We Dream. And I think David at the time who worked at uh, United We Dream kind of gave you some connection. And that's how I first met you. And I think I try to provide resources, but we haven't uh, really engage much, rather just a quick uh, email exchange. Um, but from that point, I, I slowly uh, noticed you in different immigrant space and you've been really um, ousting yourself um, as an activist. And I want to kind of dive into that a little bit. And so I'm curious to know, what was your experience in the immigrants movement spaces? Yeah. Um... I think that when, I think it was maybe 2014 or 15, I'm kind of blanking on, but like 
that's when I was going through my career and I had my first art job after getting first DACA and I've always felt like something was missing in my life um, that none of my friends or none of like family member could quite fulfill and I realized it's not about the job it's something was kind of missing and I I'm still kind of looking for what it was, but I'm getting closer to find what it is missing piece is that the fully accepting my identity as who I am and finding someone who relate to my struggle. I think I didn't have any of that. So I think that was really missing a lot. So I saw about United with Dream conference. I had actually no idea what it was all about. So I just kind of like told my work, like I need three day week, <laughs> three day like um, like vacation day. And I used my personal vacation day to fly to Houston. Wow. And it's kind of like, you know, I'm just going to go and see <laughs> what it is about. And I was so overwhelmed and it was so emotional because I've never met so much of a documented my youth and just people in general, like fighting for a similar cause and talking about it. Um, workshopping it and just sharing their experiences I just felt like like it was just so emotional and I felt like really inspired by all that and um, that's where I met some of the activists there and who connected me to you you and other people who emailed exchange on that and that was my first time actually um, speaking about my immigration history at the same time because there was an LA time reporter and I think the the reporter was interested in people who are coming to this event that is out of Houston area, Texas area, and why are you here and what are you trying to achieve? So I remember doing that as my first time, like public interview in LA Times, and it was so wow. The first engagement was in LA Times. <laughs> wow, you just kind of bypass. <laughs> yeah, it was really like wow. I'm really doing it. I was. I kind of felt like. Nobody pressured me to do it, but maybe it was because I was so inspired or maybe I just felt like sense of like, maybe it's time for me to like talk about it because why can I, why couldn't I be able to talk about this without so much like judgment and without so much like, um, like heavy handed things. And I just kind of revisited that and maybe it's not a bad idea to talk about um, someone like me because it was it was usually mostly it was like Hispanics it wasn't much of Asian undocumented immigrant groups represented at that time still so I was just like oh wow there's still a lot of documented group here but I just don't see much of myself um, so maybe I can also talk about it maybe that's why they picked me because I'm you so I talked about it and it was kind of that interview, I feel like, was very rough. Like, and I, I made a lot of mistakes, and some some things that I said is not really a true representation of me now. <laughs> but it was a good experience because I got connected to other people. Um, I did uh, after that another KCRW interview. So I did like small things here and there, and I it kind of made me feel less nervous about talking about my experience in general. Mm. And have you ever? at that moment or even after Matt thought of like potential risk uh, for yourself or your family yeah. or your community? Yeah. I actually asked them for LA Times uh, interview, I asked them to edit all my uh, family members um, mm. like that. That was just, just please remove everything that I mentioned about my family members because I didn't want that to harm them in any way. Um, for KCRW interview, I had like a different name too. 
go about it. Got it. Because I was also very scared. <laughs> the part is like, this is inspiring and great, but also I'm scared as fuck. Yeah, no, totally, totally. What, um, you know, lesson learned from this type of space and whether you had encountered any um, good experience or bad experience uh, within the immigrant rights movement space. It seems like, at least I think you touched upon a little bit about how when you're in this type of space, uh, it could be overwhelming and emotional and um, inspirational. And I think I'm just curious to know what other um, experiences that you encountered throughout your involvement in the immigrant rights movement space. Yeah, I also realized that I, not just in United Way Dream Space, but other immigrant spaces, I didn't realize how much um, like trauma that I had. Um, so a lot of it was triggering, but I didn't understand that. Like I, did, I had a really hard time differentiating this is triggering trauma because I didn't really understand the trigger warning and why it makes me feel really low and down in the spaces. Mm. Because sometimes I think that when I hear the story, I relate to that, but also it's really sad about it. Um, and I don't mean to like, um, like miss, like say of this movement or anything, but sometimes it feels really hard to be in a space with a lot of traumatic stories because I like, I am that it's very like cathartic and sad. And I didn't know how to uh, balance that out or just to kind of be aware that, Oh, I'm in a space. So mentally prepare all that. So, it took a lot out of me, um, as inspiring as it was. I think that continuously happens sometimes because I forget. I forget to like remember that that this is um, this comes with a lot of um, traumatic experiences, and sometimes uh, I find that like sometimes when you are in immigrant spaces with with the leaders that are not immigrant themselves or have not had undocumented experience, there there are certain things that they would say or ask of you to do that is just really like uncomfortable um but not having that like communicated in the beginning um also like was a lot harder for me to like oh i don't know how to say i don't want to do it because xyz but because we haven't talked about what i'm not comfortable with or what their expectation of me that uh, the clarity of the task sometimes can be really um like you're like in a situation where like, I want to, I'm here to be doing a good thing, but why does it make me feel like shit? And like, I'm making you uncomfortable. Like I shouldn't have to be in a space uh, for a good movement thing to make me feel like this. So it's been kind of a pull and push uh, understanding what the space can provide and what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great point. And I'm curious to know, how can we address that or how can we do better? Because uh, in my view, I think that we are still similar space and experiences that you just mentioned. And I'm curious to know if you have any thoughts or suggestions, um, if any. Um, I think that one of my experience, one of the dream summer experience, one of the, um, the leader and um, Mariana, she, actually like reminded me when one of those times that I was struggling that like you shouldn't be in a position to feel bad about bringing up when you're in a, anywhere you are. So if you're, if you, and that's not your fault, 
for wanting to bring it up. If the space makes you feel uncomfortable to bring up something that um, is bothering you or you suggest or anything, any kind of way that makes you feel bad, that's not a good, healthy place. And I think that's, I try to really buy that a lot, um, that if, if I'm in a space and that makes me feel like I can't even question <laughs> but about why there are certain things, um, that that's not a good place because they are making you feel um, negative about things. And creating that space, safe space, um, I think it's a really good start in my mind, in my, in my, in my, in my thoughts. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, thanks for sharing that. And I want to kind of pivot towards um, your uh, immigration status. I know you have uh, adjusted your, your, your status and How's your uh, adjust, adjustment from being undocumented uh, to a, a permanent uh, resident? And I'm curious to know what has changed and what has not changed, if any. Um, there was a lot of things changed for the good and for the better. And there's a lot of like, not the bad change, but like realization of different type of feelings that I didn't even think that I would feel this way. Um, mm-hmm. The good part is that I am from a resident and I can travel outside the country. And the bad part, not bad part, the feeling that I didn't think that I would ever felt was how empty I felt. Um, because the way I saw it is that when I remember when I got this um, green card and for the longest time, I, I thought like you, it would be something different. Like it would be something more than just a plastic like card that just like a credit card, you know, and then you just receive it. And it just embodied all my painful years of like decades of my struggle and my feelings. And then like, I feel like the waste of like certain feelings that I have, I mean, not all the feelings are wasted, but like, you know what I mean? Like the struggles that I felt like it just feels so meaningless in, in some ways. And I felt so empty. It didn't, it, I was happy, but I was, I felt really gutted. And the fact that people are still struggling because of this card and the, the, the feeling of survival guilt was really real. You know, I have a, you know, I have a family member or like I have a friend that are still undocumented where that makes me feel like, I feel like, why did I get to leave that stage and not them? And the complicated issue with the Korean, like men, about the army issue and like it's more complicated about adjusting status and learning about all this like makes me feel like wow I'm like really privileged to have it but I wasn't fully able to like um I guess celebrate because I felt bad and sorry and wrong like all of it all together and so I remember like just just feeling really like like depressed even after I got the green card and after I was, I was able to visit Korea for the first time in 16, 17 years, all I did was just cry for a whole trip, just, just really emotional, um, feeling like a displaced. I wasn't able to connect to any of the Korean people. Um, and I was just like, this is like, I was born here. I don't know why I was just so missing this like idea of going back home and just realizing that I don't fit in here either. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of a realization that I have to find and define where I get to be and where I belong from now on. Um, has changed huge, hugely about what I do as an artist, uh, as 
a person that's living their daily life, I guess. Wow, no, that's powerful. And I'm wondering, like, how do you define yourself now? Uh, do you consider yourself as Korean American or Korean or American? Uh, what is your sense of your own uh, defining yourself um, in, in your identity? Um, I, whenever I try to do interview, I try to re remind myself and bring it up that I felt like I identified with my undocumented identity before I ever identified myself as Asian American or Korean American, because I really had a hard time relating myself to just Asian American or any Korean American in general, even with like in my family or I've never met well, I never even thought that there is undocumented Koreans or undocumented Asians in general. So I think I still put my undocumented identity. That was my first identity. And then now I am kind of like slowly merging into, okay, within the undocumented, there, I am still Korean American. And it's not, I don't think of it like lateral or anything. It just feels like I'm just all of this like together. <laughs> um, so I'm now Korean American, undocumented. Formerly undocumented uh, woman, um, able body, educated, and all the identities. Great. I think that there's a great segue to talk a little bit about your art uh, because um, you express your own identities uh, through your art and cultural expression. And you're such a uh, great storyteller and an artist. Before I want to kind of talk a little bit about Korean Angry, um, uh, if you could talk a little bit more about your journey as an artist, uh, I know that you kind of talk a little bit about uh, you start as this um, in the anime company uh, in like in college, and if you could kind of walk through um, your journey and path and how you became who you are today. Okay, so it's kind of interesting that I, my immigration kind of starts with my art practices because I was never really um, like encouraged to pursue art or creative things in Korea. And like I was preparing to join Navy when I was in Korea. Really? Yeah, because last place I lived was by Pyeongtaek, which is Navy camp. So I went to Navy camp and I was like, this is what I want, like order, <laughs> like defend a country. And it, it was in a very different mindset. But when I came to the United States, um, and I was when I was in ESL class, um, we'd have to like make a poster about like some kind of San Francisco related, and it was just like a casual doodle. But the teacher there suggested that you should look into School of the Arts High School, and that's when I got my formal training of traditional charcoal uh, paints and oil paints and all that. And from there, transitioning to animation, which is all digital, was well. My animation class actually was at the time we're doing all 2D like animation, old style like Disney animation. So it was very different. And I struggled a lot because of that. And toward the end of the school year, I wanted to, I was really distracted in a way that like, I wanted to do a little bit of this, I wanted to do a little bit of that. And I could never find my style. And I felt like, don't really belong anywhere. <laughs> um, just like my music, uh, journey, I, I think I, what I gravitated toward to later on was um, I really enjoyed when I was making small miniature things or stop motion things because mm -hmm. it, it kind of gave me like some kind of weird comfort. I think I grew up watching Wallace and Gromit or something. 
And I was just like, oh my God, I remember this time watching this. I love everything about it. So I started like making small miniature work and mostly usually find found objects or whatever I can find. And from there I start like doing like personal work relating to that because it made me so much happy when I did that. Um, and it's not like you have to be like perfect at it. Um, so that's what made me a little bit more comfortable, I think, because you can still like make a mistake and it's still okay. It looks fine. Um, I'm not really precious about my artwork in a way that like people, like I love when people like wanted to touch or drop and I'm like, I care, but like, yeah, that's totally fine. Because <laughs> I like how approachable my art can be in that way. So I, I think that's when I felt like, okay, animation is like my job is job, but I just do something other that makes me comforting and happy, like almost like a therapy. And I started my career I think around 2016. That's when I just kind of start like talking about things that has been in my mind, but I didn't um, publicize my career as myself. I, it was all done like people didn't know at all that was me for a while because I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> like I didn't want people to know that I'm talking about you, you know, I'm talking about my family members, I'm talking about my friends, I'm talking about people I've dated. So I hided that under that character for a long time. Wow. No, I think that's a great, great journey. And um, I didn't know that uh, kind of like immigration um, you know, experience kind of led you to become an artist. Um, can you uh, talk a little bit about uh, Korean Angry and some of the work that you have done and um, where you're at now and what you're hoping to uh, pursue forward? Yeah, um, I, I think I, I was telling you earlier, I, would, I have Korean Angry, but I just don't know where it is, but I'll show you the size of it. Um, it's like, this is the literally derpy looking one that's the literally like the like size of it this is the size of the i think it's about like six seven inch um and inside it's made of a wire this is a skeleton like the wire and stuff mm. and you just kind of like build it with like a bunch of different things and i dip it in like a liquitex which gives a little flexibility of like the fingers and like like flexibility to move around. Um, and it's kind of mixed mesh of like me trying to like um, make it <laughs> look like me that I can identify myself with. Mm -hmm. um, I had this idea of this like angry doll because I didn't realize how angry I was until I started my comic and it started just like it was never ending list of things. I was like, why don't I just make an angry thing that I don't have to explain why I'm angry about. And this kind of spewing all over. And it's been very um, learning experience a lot because as I got more followers or, you know, as I got a lot more posts that shared, it feels weird to have my so much vulnerable personal like story to be read by so many people. But because of that reason, I was able to connect to a lot of Korean Americans in general and even Korean American undocumented immigrants. Um, I was able to travel uh, more before the pandemic. I was traveling all different states to do comic events, zine events. And those are the places where there are some events that I was the only Asian person in the table. 
Mm. Where I'm like the very few of BIPOC member creators. And I think that they come to me because they're curious, but also like have some weird stereotypes or biases. And I learned to like respond it better and talk about my experience a lot. I, I never hide about the fact that I was undocumented in those events. I talk about it all the time. And mm -hmm. that's a privilege that I get to have because I'm, I feel a little bit more protected because of my status, but also because I felt like I never got to have that kind of connection with someone earlier in my time. So, and surprisingly, a lot of people relate to my experiences and sometimes they throw challenging questions. I thought Asians can't be illegal or like kind of using outdated terms or just some, some people just want to start fighting with me on the event, or like shaming me or like publicly humiliating me in the event. And I, I learned to accept that, that I don't have to do any of that, but it makes me feel like I want to be there to like talk about it more just because of that kind of experiences. It doesn't make me sad or mad nowadays. It just makes me feel like, oh, this is exactly why I need to do more because people are still like not knowing about certain things. So um, yeah, it has became more than just like a personal project. It has became more of a space where I'm learning and sharing what I'm learning. I'm doing more like posts about like know your rights and like bystander comics and it's it's usually is because I want to learn and absorb and process it in my way and I I feel like having a comic to talk about those kind of challenging questions has helped me to do it more softer like I'm not like putting my face on it I'm still kind of like not trying to put my face on to comic too much so it gives me more freedom and it gives me more sense of like, oh, it's like an identity that that I can be and sometimes I'm not and I want to be. Um, so it is me, but it is not me that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. And I'm glad that uh, you've been traveling and really learning, but also educating uh, different spaces that you're part of. I think that is really important. And I think it's part of organizing too um sharing your story and really educating community members about your personal experience and touch upon um, undocumented immigrant experiences and for uh, undocumented um you know emerging artists what's the advice uh, that you have for them to follow a similar path uh, that they hope to uh, do mm. This is a really good question because mm, I think that I was really low and my, I didn't really trust myself as an artist often because of the status. I felt like, oh, I'm undocumented. So I felt like I was so focused on that identity that sometimes I doubted myself if I can truly make it, you know, and, um, and that didn't help me at all in <laughs> the creativity. Um, I think, you need to experience a lot more things outside of uh, just drawing and pursuing art to have a better art itself. So in a way, your experience of undocumented itself is like a process that you can process and just kind of make it as part of your strong piece about your art yourself. I don't think I understood that for the longest time. Um, I think a lot of times I was discouraged or disappointed that I didn't feel like I 
had the same chance with other people when my friends were applying for internship or careers. I just feel like that applied to me because of undocumented status. But I feel like there is so many different ways to go about it. Uh, you can reach out to me anytime if you want. Um, I think that I try to find a way to like tell younger artists that, especially undocumented artists, that it's okay to uh, pursue creative student. There's a way to do it, uh, which is to believe in your your story. And that's something that I would always tell. <laughs> um, and don't ever minimize your struggles and traumas because that could be really good, good thing to explore on. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your advice. Um, as we are slowly wrapping it up, I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, mental health and well-being um, as, you know, as an activist and we are in a different industries. And for you, how do you take care of yourself and what does your self-care practice look like? Okay. Um, for self-care, I still don't know how to self-care very well. So I'm still in a process of learning what the best self-care is for me. But I used to really love going on camping, backpacking, being in nature without any social media or phone in presence to kind of refresh my mind that I'm not just cooped up in this room, uh, reading all those comments, the haters' comments. Uh, so I try to be off my phone and be outside of my house, uh, just so I can leaving like leave on this like place. Um, and I also tend to do a lot of like fun things, reading a bunch of like comic books and playing games here and there. Social media gaming as well. Whatever makes me feel like you know, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to be chill and whatever makes me feel happy, I am trying to do that. That's great. That's great. Uh, well, well, thank you. And, and, and just wanted to wrap it up with the uh, rapid uh, fire questions that I have for you. Uh, it could be just a quick yes or no, or you could be as specific as you want. And I have a 10 prepared questions for you. Um, the first one is a place you most want to travel to. Italy. Okay. What is your favorite holiday? Halloween. Okay. What is your favorite childhood TV show? Ooh, this one is, uh, I was thinking about Tuli. I don't know if you know Tuli, the Korean. <laughs> oh, I do know Tuli. Yeah, I love that. That show is really good. <laughs> yes. They're bringing me back. Does love have no border? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Republican or Democrat? Oh man, I, I, I don't want to be part of this. I, <laughs> I'll go with Democrat. <laughs> All right. Reluctantly, of course. Yeah. <laughs> California or New York? Cali all the way. All right, there we go. What is one thing about you that surprises people? That I did the a cameo of a voice acting. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. There you go. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Who inspires you? Who inspires me? Um oh man, all all the moms, moms, grandmas, uh, all the women in my life and all the immigrants 
really like the stories of immigrants i'm always like inspired by that i'm like damn that's so wild <laughs> they were here a long time ago and they're still here and i'm part of that so immigrant stories mostly told by mom and mom's mom <laughs> there you go shout out to our moms and shout out to all the immigrants out there what is the best advice you have ever received best advice i ever received was the fact that uh, things that matter to you is always going to be hard mm. no that's a good one and the light last question is what are you grateful for i am so grateful for um my art my partner uh, my friends and communities i got to be involved and be part of i love the city of l.a I don't know. There's so many. I'm I'm just so grateful for a lot of things nowadays, uh, especially my health and everything too. Great. Well, so thanks again for uh, joining uh, my podcast. Um, I had a really uh, wonderful time with you, and I really want to acknowledge all the work that you have done, and I uh, can't wait to share this this conversation with our audience. And I hope we stay connected and one last final thing for you is how can uh, folks can follow you and uh, learn more about your work yes um anyone can reach out to me at koreangry on instagram twitter facebook uh, it's k-o-r-e-a-n-g-r-y uh, it's literally korean <laughs> my grandma's uh, way of pronouncing is korean jury <laughs> 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 uh, uh, so yeah that's the way you reach out to me you can also email me koreangry at gmail.com um, sounds great well thanks again Nunsu. thank you Ju thank you for listening if you enjoyed the show don't forget to subscribe rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts also follow me on Instagram at immigrations see you at the next episode